Welcome to Lioness Queen Podcast, where we empower and encourage separated and or divorced women on ways to move forward in their purpose and realize God's love will catapult them to greatness. I am your host, Reverend Dr. Marisha, creator and founder of Lioness Queen. Welcome back. You know, I always like to start with a quote. And I found another quote relating to our theme for the month of not looking back. And the quote came from Pinterest um, from a company called Butterflies Rising. And the quote says, don't be afraid to leave it all behind. There is new light and new life. There are new worlds waiting. Man, that is powerful. So now I am excited about today's episode because we are highlighting another lioness queen this week, Miss Travis Michelle, who is a motivational speaker, a survivor strategist, a motivator, mentor. She also writes her own blogs and also is a woman who is on fire for the Lord. Welcome to the show, Miss Travis Michelle. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yes, I'm excited as well. So let's go get right into the show. Now, I normally start off reflecting on the on a quote, but I'm going to have you reflect on the quote. I'll read it again. Um, and the quote says, don't be afraid to leave it all behind. There are new lights and new life. There are new worlds waiting. So what are your thoughts um, about this quote? You know, I think that quote is really profound. I think people would probably just kind of like, oh, it sounds nice. But when you really think about it, it's telling you that it's okay. It's almost like giving permission for you to move forward, to expect greater things. You can't stay in that same space. You have to grow because that will help you become more productive, a better you, um, like an unstoppable you as a woman. Because I, I, I really believe in women empowerment, and I think those words are just really powerful. So I, I, I think it's a great quote. Mm-hmm. So how would this connect um, to you and your story and your journey, you know, talking about how you... Um, transition through the emotional trauma of what you went through from your divorce um, and how you moved forward, leaving everything behind? Well, let's see. Um, First, I had to make a decision that I was ready to leave, that this wasn't a good place for me and my children. And I think that probably taking that first step is the hardest when we're going through a divorce because we might um, intellectually know that this isn't healthy. We need to move on. It's not a a matter of a blame game, but we know that this just is not the place that we, the space we need to be in anymore. So once you make that decision, it's like, wow, now what do I do? And, you know, you're halfway listening to family, halfway listening to friends. Everybody has an opinion. But once you make that step, 
that I'm just going to step out on faith and I have to get out of this because it can't be worse where I'm going than where I am. And you want to have a positive role model example for your children as well. So once I made that decision, I look, once I make that decision, a total different person comes out because now I'm thinking about I have to if I can't stand up for myself, I'm at least standing up and and, um, for my children. So I start lining things up. How am I going to get out of this divorce? Uh, When I was married to my children's father, I was going through school to be a registered nurse. Um, I was spoiled to death. He, he treated me so well until he didn't, until the relationship didn't work out. And I was like, I, how am I going to get to the school? How am I going to get these kids through school? Because they were in private schools. Who's going to pay? You know, I have to move out of an apartment. It was really tough because um, going through this, I had to go for the first time through court system and I was not comfortable. I was a fish out of water. Um, I was told that he would be able to leave, you know, and I would be able to stay in that apartment um, with the children. And when I went before the judge, because there's 33 years difference between him and I, the judge looked at me and said, you're the problem. Uh, He doesn't have to leave. He can stay upstairs and you can stay downstairs. What? It was like I was victimized all over again. He didn't want to hear anything I had to say. He said no. He sided with, you know, um, my ex-husband at the time. And they were closer in age. And I was, again, like, what do I, if I go for help and then the help tells me that I'm the problem and I can just have to deal with it. So I had to come up with some other strategies. And what I did, went to my grandparents. It was my grandmother because my grandfather had passed and she's always been my rock. She and my grandfather introduced me to the Lord. I accepted the Lord when I was nine and a half and he has been my rock ever since. So she says, don't worry about it. You go and look for an apartment and I'm going to give you the money for it. And I was just fortunate that my grandparents had money. So I found an apartment. I looked to make sure that I would be able to, I just, I was getting ready to graduate too. So I needed a place that, you know, I was looking for a job, looking for an apartment. It was winter time in New York City. You Anything else you want to add on to that, it was happening. So I did, you know, find an apartment. My grandmother gave me the down payment for it. I was able to move out. Now, my ex-husband was cheating on me. Yes, I'm 33 years younger, but he was cheating on me. And I was like, okay, no problem because I'm leaving. So that didn't bother me anymore. But I had to figure out how I was going to get these kids and this clothes and stuff out. And I was praying. And he says, oh, I'm going to go out of town. And I knew he was going to see this young lady. And I was like, okay, no problem. When are you coming back? So I knew I had a certain amount of hours to get this all taken care of, to get this move accomplished. I had to open the, you know, my mouth. I was embarrassed, but I had to ask for help from a family friend. They said, no problem. I'm bringing a truck. We're moving out. I left everything. When you would walk into the apartment, it actually looked like nothing had been changed. But over time, because I had to do this probably over a couple of months, and I would put food 
uh, you know, staples, of course, broom, ironing board, sheets, towels. I I took it all to my grandparents' house and we put it in the back room. And that's where I saved my things. So when my friend came, my family member, we were able to take just the children's beds. I left all the sheets, towels, pots, pans there at that house. And I didn't want anything moving into my new place because, you know, grandparents from the South, you don't bring an old broom, you don't bring an old dustpan, none of that stuff. Mm -hmm. You have new things. So that's what I did. And um, needless to say, when he came back from his little tryst, his house was looking immaculate. Everything was the same except the kids' clothes and my clothes, and we were out. So, of course, he was extremely angry. Um, I'm scared because I already, they're at a private school and they're at a, um, a Christian school. So now it's like, how much more can I take? How much more embarrassment do I have to have? I have to tell everybody. The whole world has to know my business. I have to tell the school. Um, you know, I have paperwork. He can't take the children. We're going through a divorce. Luckily, you know, I went to one court for the divorce, but I had to then go to a separate court because he wanted to say that um, fighting over the children. But they said no, that I had custody. It, it, now the school has to know. If he went up to the school, they have to say sorry. You know, it was just a lot. And it was a lot on my children. So and during all of this, um, you know, I didn't feel that he should not see the children, but he just couldn't see me. Because he was a good father. And I think sometimes as women, we are so caught up in our anger that we're forgetting. If he is a good father, they still need to have him. They still need that role model. We just don't get along. This is about the adults. It's not about the children. So my grandmother, again, was like, well, he can bring the children here. And um, he can pick them up from here. And then you come back. And I had that outlet. But a lot of people don't. You know, I was fortunate. And the reason I, we had to do that is because, unfortunately, I had to have him arrested because he tried to run me down with the car. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's it. And I was able to get out of the way. So I had to, because I had him arrested, that's when I went to um, family court. <coughs> Sorry, my dog. But our new normal. <laughs> um, yeah, so I went to family court. And they uh, said, you are not to have the children around him. And I defied the court because he wasn't hurting them. And I knew that if I didn't allow him to see the children, it would cause more damage. So I had to put myself aside, my feelings aside, Mm -hmm. and I still allowed them to see their dad. Um, Mm -hmm. It went on. For three years, I graduated, tried to get the divorce. He now wants part of my money for going to school. His name wasn't on, mm. not nary one loan, not one. But the judge, mm. again, well, you'll have to pay him alimony. And I'm like, I didn't have any money. I just started working. <laughs> and, but you know, when he had money, so again, I could say, you're being victimized because he can afford to pay an attorney. He was, and that attorney was doing everything possible to make it difficult for me to have the children and to move on with my life because 
he was paying his child support and then he pulled it away because he kept saying he wanted me to, you know, reunite. So here you're trying to get out of a situation that is not healthy, but someone's trying to keep pulling you in because they, they want that control. They don't want you to leave. So fortunately, through prayer, I was in church. I had my kids in church. I never stopped going to church. And we both go to the same church. So, oh, wow, I have to look at him on Sunday. So you know what? He sat on his side of the church. I sat on my side of the church. Luckily, my children, you know, because they grew up in this church, they had male role models there. So everybody looked out for me. But I had to be on one side of the church and he's sitting on the other side of the church. So it's like reminders constantly, constantly. But I managed to get my job. I stayed in, you know, in the apartment. And finally, three years later, I got my divorce from the beginning to the end. And during that time, was I angry? Yes. Did I go through therapy? Yes. Because I just, I I had so much rage inside of me. And because, you know, I'm being raised mostly by my grandparents. That's why I give credit to um, being the woman that I am today. Um, But the other half, I was with my mother and my mother was very, very, very abusive. And my grandfather, my uh, father, excuse me, was very neglectful. He never placed his hands on me, but the words he said were just terrible, right? And because he didn't get along with my mom, he wasn't around me. And I didn't want that same situation with my children. But I also knew I needed to make sure that I would be, I would stand in the gap so that I could eliminate that chain of abuse. And I wanted to be the best mother I could be for my children. And so that meant I needed to do some healing and I needed outside help. Mm -hmm. And when you're in the church, you know, they don't, now they're saying, oh yes, if you need help, you speak to a therapist. That wasn't always the case. So I had to go against what people were saying to me. No, you just need to pray on it. And I was like, no, I, I need to talk to somebody. That's what I need to do. And so I had to go through that in addition to still this man is doing everything he can to uh, keep me from moving forward. So luckily I was able to get through that honest as I could be with my children, still trying to keep them close. Um, But as time moved on so that I could grow, I had to change my mindset and I had to say, I'm no longer a victim. I'm not going to be a victim again. I can't, I cannot move forward. But if I don't forgive him as hard as that was, if I don't forgive him, I can't move on. We still have these children to raise and somebody has to take the high road. Like Michelle Obama, I was doing that for for years. Someone has to be able to stand up and say, okay, well, I'm going to be the adult out of the two of us. And I'm just going to really think about the children. So that meant I had to hear him curse me out sometimes. That meant that he was going to give me a hard time about picking them up, dropping them off, vacation, whatever. I would just, okay, I would change my schedule. Um, Luckily, being a nurse with my 312s, I say, okay, I'll, I'll... work my days together, whatever I had to do so that he could see his children. And the children don't realize that. To this day, I don't think my children, because I haven't had that deep of a conversation, like every now and then we talk about it, 
but they don't know the sacrifice I made to make sure that they stay connected. I have two sons and a daughter. And my daughter, I wanted to make sure she did not have that issue of my daddy left me and he abandoned me. And because I was so busy trying to make sure that they were okay, they actually were angry with me because I wasn't with their dad. So it's like when you're going through a divorce, we don't talk about this enough as women that you're getting it from all sides. And people, you know, don't remember that the children have their own feelings and they actually do take sides. Because as far as my daughter was concerned, it was my fault. And then he would take her with him to this other woman's house in another state. So then he could, she would have to hear that I was the worst woman in the world. I was the worst mother, the worst parent, the worst wife. So all of that being put into her mind and then she comes back home and then I have to deal with attitude. I'm trying to continue and still loving her unconditionally. So it took until she was, until she, what, had probably after she had her first child before we could really talk. And I, I now our, my daughter is like my best friend. She checks on me. She, I mean, we can talk about anything. But it took her a long time to accept and to heal as well. My sons, it wasn't the same. You know, like, nope, we got you. They had my back. It was different. But I still needed that. I didn't talk bad about their dad. And ladies, I, I need to impress that upon you. Don't dog the, the man out. Because number one, he was good enough for you to date. He was good enough to you to procreate. So now you want to sit and talk. If there are certain red flags you saw or certain red, red flags that were there and you chose to ignore them. And sometimes there aren't any red flags. Sometimes it, they literally just people change. They change how they feel. Mm-hmm. And you don't have any control over that. But still don't talk bad about their dad. Because guess what? My grandma always said, you live long enough. And then she would leave it hanging. Like, well, finish the sentence. If you live long enough. So as they become adults, they will see his character. They will see the type of man he is. And they can make that choice for themselves. And then after they're adult, they can say, yeah, but mom never, she didn't dog him out. Nope. She always tried to make sure that, you know, we saw him even if we sat there and he didn't show up. I was fortunate that I never had that issue. If he said he was coming to pick them up, he did. After our divorce, I moved out of state. And um, for the summertime, I sent the children and my dog back to, you know, to New York and he took them. But he, oh, I didn't realize he was doing that because he still thought I would come back. And finally, I had to have a conversation that I was not coming back to him ever in life. And he needed to get over it. Can I tell you that was not maybe the best move at that time, but I, I wasn't going to be a victim. He needed to know exactly how I felt. And so that meant I had to go through a few more months. <laughs> and this was years after the divorce where he was not trying to be nice. I didn't care then because my the youngest was a teenager. I didn't have to talk to him. If it wasn't about school, it did not matter. 
he, his um, child support, he always paid it, except for that time when we were going through court. He always did that. Anything that the children needed, he did, but he wanted me. And sometimes parents, they allow the children to be pawn, become pawn, you know, pawns, not pawns, pawns. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a little check. Mm-hmm. Yes, checkmate. No, mm-hmm. they're not pawns. This is an adult situation. It's between two adults, not between the children. And you have to stop, get, you know, realize, look, this is between you and me. And don't make them feel guilty because you don't realize how much children think it's their fault. No matter how many times you tell them, they still will think it's their fault. What didn't I do? So if you're not honest and open with them, and allow them to know, hey, sometimes things don't work. It's a great opportunity uh, as parents to share with our children, sometimes things just don't work out, but I'm going to be the best example I can be to show you how to navigate it, how to adapt, how to have a positive outlook. And now sometimes, yes, did I not want to cuss him out, talk about it, and I had to always be like, okay, I can't because my kids are here. But after they, you know, when they would be gone to their dad or they weren't in the house, I yes, of course, I'd call my girlfriend, go up one side of him, down the other. But then when they came back in my presence, I had to make sure that, no, I can't do that. Well, as much as I wanted to fuss and curse about him, I said, well, I, I can't do that. That's what you do with your father. This is not what I do here. Because then they're going to use manipulation. Children are the best manipulators They are so good at pitting one parent against the other, even if you're in a healthy relationship. So you can imagine if you're going through a divorce or a separation because they hear it from both sides. And then they choose which side or which parent they're going to believe. So, you know, it can be tough. It is tough. You have to recognize that going through a a divorce is going to be tough. But once you've made that decision for growth, for um, health, mentally, emotionally, uh, physically, and eventually it will come financially, you have to stick to it. And you cannot waver. If this is the best decision that you're making, you cannot waver because you will have all kinds of spirits um, hung before you. You know, mm-hmm. well, nothing out there. And you're here. And, You'll have women telling you, girl, ain't nothing out here. You better stay where you are. What? Mm -hmm. (laughs) No matter what type of situation it is. And sometimes we move to a spiritual leader and they're like, well, you know, the Bible says that you got to. And you're like, okay, I understand that. I've done the best that I can, but now it's become an abusive situation. You know, mm-hmm. well, just pray on it and stay right on there. And, you know, you just stick to it. What? So you have to be so careful who you surround yourself with. My mother, mm-hmm. of course, never support. Because when I was, um, I said, Mom, you know, the judge says I have to stay there. I can't stay in this house anymore. He was literally driving me crazy. He would come downstairs while I was studying. I would get up at two or three o'clock in the morning to study for school, he would come downstairs to start an argument, to pull my book, snatch them out my hand. 
just so I would not be successful in school. So I said, mm-hmm. mom, you think I could just stay there while the, the last couple of months for the divorce? I said, because, you know, I graduate in a couple months and then I'll have my apartment. My mother told me I need to go and take my three kids to a shelter if I needed some place to stay. And mm-hmm. so again, I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to stay with my grandmother because my grandmother had high blood pressure. It would be too much to have us and the three kids there. My grandmother would have been like, I'll pay for a hotel. She didn't care. But I didn't want to involve her with that. But I thought I could, that's what my mom, after all of these years and time passing, that you know, I could rely on my mother. No. And I said, just for a couple of months, mom, because I'm going into an apartment. No, I'll pay you. No. Be careful who you surround yourself with. It's, it's, very important to have those positive people. The people who stood by me were not the people that necessarily look like me. They weren't the people that were in church with me. <laughs> they weren't the people that I thought were my ride or dies. But God still made a way. Because I refuse. I said, God, I am not giving up. I have been through um, physical abuse. I have been through domestic violence. I have been through sexual abuse. There is no way you put me here for a reason. I will live and not die, but I can't do this. You're going to have to, and I I speak to God. He is my friend. That's how I was taught. My grandmother said, you know, people get there and they want to pray and they're so politically correct. You cry, you scream, you curse, you get it out. He is your best friend. If you can't talk to God and he already knows how you feel, but if you can't be real with him, how do you expect him to open doors? How do you expect him to be able to talk to you and you hear him talking to you? And this is from a woman, you know, I thought my grandmother mother would be like really old school and not help me or, you know, tear me down or tell me what I shouldn't do. She's never been that type. She's like, no, you tell him what it is that you want. And that's what I did. I had to get real with God and just like, look, you said that we ask and we shall receive. So let me give you a list. And I, you know, and I wasn't angry with God, but I was, you know, I was talking to him. And when I released and I was able to forgive, I had to forgive myself. Because as we're divorced, you think that there's something you did so wrong. Why didn't I see this? How could I let my kids go through this? You come up with all these reasons and other people on the outside also making you feel that you're less than for some reason when you're going through a divorce. So once I did that with God, doors opened up. People that, like I said, didn't look like me opened up. Oh, do you need something? Okay, let me tell you where you can go get this apartment. They're accepting applications. Um, this is who I want you to speak to. What do you need? Okay, and, and that's it just lined up. I had a car. The kids still tease me about it. I had a blue Chevrolet. They don't even make this car anymore, but you, um, most people know. I suppose it like a Versa. So it was something like that. Real, but it got me around. My grandmother gave me the money for it, and I literally had duct tape keeping parts of the bumper on. <laughs> I had to take out my. Uh, they used to take out the. Uh, at one point, they were stealing the computers when cars first started coming out with computers. They had stolen mine. My grandmother paid for me to get another one. I used to have that in my bag with my school books, and because I couldn't leave the computer in the car. My son teases me 
all the time now. You know, we have a conversation. It's like, Ma, that car was horrible. I said, but we had a working radio. They were like, yeah, but you had to carry the computer. But that's all I had. And I had to drive over 13 miles one way to work because I had a piece of a job and then drive to school and then pick them up from school. And I carried my kids back to college with me. And everybody's like, oh, how do you affording afford to do that and keep them in private school if I had to sit down and tell you now I can't but he paid he made sure he paid for it he paid for their you know for their education and I was able to do um, typing and I, I was able to edit I did all kinds of stuff transcriptionist that's how I made my money now that's not enough when you go for an apartment and I lived in a very nice apartment guess what he tried to do he tried to get an apartment in the same complex now, if you don't want to be why do you want to move to a complex that I'm living in? And he said to me, I don't know how you got into that complex because I got denied. I said, I don't know. But see, when God opens that door for you, because I don't know how I got mm-hmm. in there. The lady said, don't worry about it. We're going to work this out. Can you come up with, I'm, I'm going to waive one month. Can you just come up with the deposit? I said, yes, I can. She says, well, come back with this money. And I went to my grandmother, boom, the next day. And I had an apartment. And it was very, very nice. And during that process, of course, backtracking a little bit, he was so upset that he called Child Protective Services on me. Twice. I had never, I was so shook up. I, my kids called me because, you know, you had beepers at that time. And I'm like, why do they put 911? When I got to the house. Because I had come over to my grandmother's. When I got back across town, like 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes away, the police were there. I'm looking like, what is going on? And they said, oh, you're a registered nurse. And I said, yes. They said, it's no problem. They said, "Um, we had a report that the children were unattended and that the house was dirty and blah, blah, blah. He did all of that lying. They said, it's not a problem because your child is old enough with, you know, to have the other two because mm-hmm. I ran out for my grandmother's to come back. They said, so it's not an issue and you're a nurse, but just let you know, we know it was your ex-husband. I said, what? Mm-hmm. So now I have this woman coming in my home to look at every bedroom, investigate my children, you know, and uh, I call it interrogating them, but, you know, questioning them. And I'm praying, oh gosh, I hope it's a good day because they might be mad at me. You know, you don't know what your children are going to say or what questions they're mm-hmm. going to ask, right? And the lady's looking mm-hmm. at my apartment. I mean, she went in every cupboard. And people don't share that. They just say, oh, well, CPS can't. No, they went the bedrooms, closets. She wanted to look in their drawers. She went in all my refrigerator, all of my cabinets. She's like, you have plenty of food in here. So he, uh the, the complaint says you don't have enough food, but you you have central air conditioning. You're a, you have a white couch. How do you have a white couch with three kids and the, the house is clean? And I, I didn't say anything. I said, well, this is how I was brought up and this is how I live. She said, I said, can you tell me who made the report? She says, I can't. I said, okay, so how about this? I will give the name and you just look to the left. I gave the name. She looked to the left. It was him. And he did it twice. Mm-hmm. And she says, there's nothing wrong. He's really angry. And then, you know, before she left, um, do you know anybody? Do you know how I could get into these apartments? I've been trying to get in here. What? 
She turned around and was on my side. But see how God works it out? So instead of it hurting me, it helped me. She says, look, I'm closing this case. This is ridiculous. If he files again, I'm going to let him know that he's making false allegations and we're going to break charges. I was like, okay, thank you so much. She says, and you're a nurse? That helped me. I mean, God just works. He works it out. So that's important for me to like get that message across. You you believe in God. This isn't the time to give up. It's not the time to let him go. It's not the time to, you know, God, you ain't looking out for me and getting angry. Yeah, be angry, but don't be angry with God. Say, get angry enough that you let go so that you can let God. Mm-hmm. Let him work. So I have a question. I yeah. have a question for you. So what advice... What advice would you have given yourself when you first got married before you walked down the aisle? What advice do you think you would have given yourself at that point? Wow. I I can't say I know I would have still married him. Like some people are like, no, I wouldn't have done. No, I still would have married him. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. I I would have said, Travis Michelle, don't lose yourself. Don't give away your power. Make sure you don't give away your power. Make sure you don't lose your identity. I I think that's the most important thing I would have said to myself. Yeah. It's so, so, so interesting. My last guess, that is the exact same thing she said. She said the exact same thing. She believes she still would have married the person. Um, Very similar to um, what you said about you were spoiled, but then something changed Mm -hmm. um, within him. And, um, you know, sometimes red flags aren't there in the beginning. However, you know, when God is trying to protect you, from things that you can't see, then something does have to change. Um, yes. But the fact of, yeah, so the fact that you, um, in spite of, so that's the piece for me that I'm like in awe of your story. So in spite of you, you know, trying to, I mean, just, handle and take care of the children um especially emotionally and mentally um by yourself and then thinking of the children first above yourself and not allowing um your emotions your anger your bitterness towards him to influence your children in any way is huge to me because that is something that a lot of people do and it damages the children. And so it's so interesting because when children get of age, children get to see who their parents are. Like mm-hmm. that becomes clear. Like you don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. That person just has to be themselves and children will be able to see who that parent is, you know what I'm saying? And so, but unfortunately we 
we, especially women, when we're hurt, we use our hurt implanted in the children so that the children have a perspective from our hurt. Because like in your case, your ex-husband, I mean, loved your children, would do anything for his children. You know what I mean? But but in the same regard, you chose and you decided not to speak negative. You know, that right there in itself, you have to be applauded for that. I'm telling you, because you didn't want Yes, because you didn't want your children to have a perspective. But in the same regard, it all comes out to life. Just like you said, you're, you and your daughter right now are closer. You know what I mean? Like she, of, of course, because of his hurt, because of his stuff, his issues, he infected her. And so, again, she had to see it for herself. Right. She didn't realize, right? She didn't realize that he was using the spirit of manipulation in her mind. She didn't know it because she was young. Right. And children, children don't know children, children don't, don't, you know, they can't tell when they're being manipulated. They they can't, they can't discern that. But when they get of age, they definitely can see who people are. And so I, I, I mean, I am just like in awe. And then you had mentioned about him trying to run you over with a car again. It's, it's, it is, I mean, whew, I mean, you have a powerful story. And and like you said, I know it was nothing but the Lord that in spite of what could have happened, what should have happened, did not happen. You did not lose your mind. God still provided for you every step of the way. And Thank so God. that right there is a testimony Yes, it's a testimony to God's goodness and his faithfulness, you know. And so what what um what would you what type of advice would you give to um the listeners who are still struggling, who are still struggling in taking that first step? That's the first thing you started out with cuz that's a hard thing to do. What type of advice would you give to other lioness queens? Um, who are stuck. They don't know how to move. They don't know what to do. They are still looking back. And even looking back, it still wasn't really everything that the Lord really wanted for them, right? It's only because of the familiar. It's only because what I know and my comfortable state I'm in. But what advice would you give to them to help them to move forward and take that first step? Yeah, that's... That first step is tough. And what I'm going to, what I'll share with the lioness, make sure it's the decision that you make. Sometimes we go through a divorce and that's not necessarily what we're supposed to do, but we're quick on the draw. Just like sometimes we go through a divorce and we should have done it earlier. And you, you know, you're kicking yourself. Why not divorce him early? There are two sides to that coin. When you make your mind up that this is not the place that you need to be, you go out kicking, screaming with whatever power in you. That means you have to, you have to gather that group and maybe one or two people that have your back because you're going to get weak. You're going to doubt yourself. You have to stay in your word. 
God is listening. He is not going to uh, tell you you're a bad person and I'm not going to love you anymore. You know, you might belong to some churches. Now I'm going to throw it out there because I've grown up in the South too. Some churches, they're like, oh, well, if you're going through a divorce and you can't be in this and they'll, you know, remove you. If you saw the Clark sisters, you know, they were going to remove you from certain positions. Mm-hmm. So what? Your mental, emotional, and your physical health is worth that. You, If you have children mm-hmm. or if you don't have children. Everyone going through a divorce doesn't have children, right? But once you make up in your mind that this is the decision that I have to make, then you act on it. Taking that first step is the hardest step. Because I had to think about it for, we were married for 13 years. And it took that last, I'm telling you, I'll share it with you. I was like, I'm leaving. I had made up my mind. I had to have surgery. I ended up incapacitated because I wasn't working. I was home and I got pregnant again. And that's how I stayed the extra, what was it, 13 months? Well, no, I was pregnant. So I guess it was like two plus years. Right? And then it was like, no, maybe I should just keep trying. Maybe it's me. You know, you do the self-blame, the self-doubt. I don't want my children. I don't want them to have a broken family. Well, it's not a broken family. It just means that you two are together. It doesn't mean it's broken. You can be together and it's broken. So it's your mindset. Once you wake up in your mind and you know that this is the road that you're supposed to take and the path, you get all of your resources together and you leave. I think that's the best advice. You, but you have to make that mind up. You have to be clear. Write it down. Don't keep it up in your head. Write it down. Don't leave the paper where he can find it, okay? Because <laughs> they start looking. Trust me. They can feel it, right? You can feel, uh-oh, something's yeah, off. Yeah, especially if it's abuse especially with abuse you Mm -hmm. definitely have to have a plan of action and you definitely need support um and there's so much support out there for women who are you know who are experiencing domestic violence um there is a way of escape but it has to be planned and you like you said you just have you you have to do it you have to take that step Mm -hmm. And the blessing is there's so many other women who took that first step and right. who made it and who are survivors because that's yeah. the big, that is, that is it. We want survivors. We want women to survive. We are survivors. That is how God created us to survive. You know, I, I always say, I think it was T.D. Jakes who said it first where, you know, God created Adam. And then when he created Eve, Second, he improved the creation, right? And so because he improved us, you know, there's certain there's certain there's certain aspects and there's certain attributes and virtues that we have um, that that are different than men. And so we were created to survive. And when Lioness Queens, you can survive just like Miss Trevis Michelle has has survived her story, her journey. But again, she took that first step. And so, man, I can't believe, wow, where did the time go? Our time is gone, but I want to send a big thank you um, to Miss Michelle, Miss Michelle for coming on and sharing her story with 
um, my listeners. And so typically at the end of every episode, I like to do a chant. And so what I would like for you to do, Miss Michelle, is to repeat after me. I am a lioness queen. I am a lioness queen. God wants me to rise up. God wants me to rise up. He wants me to take my rightful place. He wants me to take my rightful place. As the queen I am. As the queen I am. He wants me to be residue free. He wants me to be residue free. Intentional in my fight. Intentional in my fight. Stand on the word of God. Stand on the word of God. Realize I am a masterpiece. Realize I am a masterpiece. I am enough. I am enough. I am a lioness queen with a purpose. I am a lioness queen with a purpose. Amen. Amen. Stay tuned for next yeah. week's podcast on Tuesdays at 3 p.m. where we will continue talking about not looking back and moving forward in your purpose. Woo, thank you so much again, Miss Michelle, for coming on with us. I know also you have some things that you are a part of, and I would love for you to share, share them with my listeners. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, I'm a motivational speaker and survival strategist. And uh, my platform is I teach people, but especially women to snap out of it, snap out of that victim mindset to live an emotionally healthy lifestyle as a survivor. And we are all survivors. And I think, you know, it's so important that we continue to grow. So I'm on Instagram every morning at 630 uh, so that I can give encouragement. I tell some funny stories every day. I take a different uh, word and we go through that telling people to make sure you pause, you recenter, you refocus, spend a little time with yourself. I also uh, have guest speakers on my Instagram this Friday at seven o'clock. I'm on uh, Instagram with Destiny's Helpers Outreach. Uh, and next, next week I have um, sometimes nurse practitioners on and, you know, just to help educate each other so that we stay present in the moment. I'm on um Facebook at Travis Michelle and my website is www.trevismichelle.com and I have a blog and I'm now uh, starting my YouTube journey at Travis Michelle as well. So thank you so much for giving me that opportunity. Thank you again for sharing. Well, this is your Lioness Queen. I want everyone to have a blessed week.